0: I don't have to tell you that the power behind the armor that we're to wear as we go out in the world and stand to do battle for our Lord, the power is prayer. It always is. That's the only way it can ever work. In fact, prayer enables us to wield the sword that we carry with us in our salvation. We live in a wicked world. It's getting worse day by day. We all realize that. We understand where things are headed. Uh, we found out the moment we became Christians and the Holy Spirit began to speak to us that this world was not getting bigger and better, it's just getting bigger and badder. We understand the problems are still there. The problems sin, the world denies it. But the reality is, this world is not long for this world. The reality is, God never meant after sin captivated, Creation. God never meant for this world to stand in that sin. And the day will come that He'll take it away. But until then, we've got a work to do that's so important. As the passage says, Standing firm, having put on, girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you're able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, the last thing we consider is the power, which is prayer. Somehow prayer doesn't fit because we think of something here being very aggressive. We know that the sword is the only offensive weapon of all these. All others are defensive weapons. But the reality is prayer is the power with which we change the world that we live in. It is the very power by which we employ the spiritual armor and the weapons. It is so important. John John Bunyan put it this way. He said, he who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day. And that's why I encourage everybody, begin your day in a conversation with your God and let the conversation never end. I get up every morning at 430 And I begin my day talking to the Lord, beginning that conversation and allowing Him to speak to me through the day. It's not something that I ever end during the day. In fact, when Scripture says pray without ceasing, that's not just a suggestion, that's not a euphemism, that's not a concept that's thrown out there. It literally means pray without ceasing, carry on a constant conversation with God. We must do that in order to get through the world that we live in. Some of y'all remember years ago a situation that came about back when Ronald Reagan was president. We realized at that time that there was something called uh, MAD, Mutually Assured Destruction. Remember that? The idea that we're all going to get blown up and there's nothing we could do about it. And what we have to do is lay down our weapons and surrender, hoping everybody else will. And, And thankfully our president then wouldn't tolerate that. But he realized this, that there, was, there is a security and a peace and strength, but there must be something we can do about the fear that was out there. And their idea was something that was very unusual. We called it the Strategic Defense Initiative, SDI. Remember that? And if I remember correctly, the, uh, the media, which is always opposed to anything righteous and right, they called it Star Wars. Remember that? And they said the idea, they said this senile old president has this idea that somehow we can stop what's coming in toward us and and cease for it to exist. How can he really imagine anything like that? Well, I want to remind you that, that we began the work on that and everything, but we didn't finish it. But Israel did. Israel developed what's known as the Raphael advanced defense system, and it works. It's called the Iron Dome. It's amazing. It literally is a a dome watching over the entire city, the old city of Jerusalem. It watches over much of Israel as it projects itself out in waves that catch anything that's moving. It's remarkable the way it works. They developed it back and it became operational in 2011. But in that time, it's knocked down 90% or more of all the missiles and rockets were shot in from the Gaza Strip towards the old city. It's amazing that over 400 rockets as of 2012 had been, 2012 had been shot down, and by 2014, 1,400 had been halted. So many so that we don't even hear about it anymore. To begin with, we'd hear periodically about the the alarms going off in Jerusalem. Everybody would would try to get off the street, and then you'd hear an explosion off in the distance. It was an amazing piece of equipment. And what it's done basically is uh, it's rendered missiles coming into the nation as useless. Now here's why I love that. Because our iron dome for the Christian is prayer. And it's 100% effective. God protects us from any darts of the evil one, any temptations, any discouragements, any frustrations that would come in from the outside, from the evil one toward us, God protects us with. And He does that in such an amazing way. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober and be alert. Your adversary... Adversary literally means the person across from you coming to attack you. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We as a church must realize what we're facing. We can't be passive. We can't pretend that nothing's going on out there. Yes, something is going on. Evil is seeking the spirit and the soul of your family. Your children are at greatest risk When they go to school, stop and think about that. Because the generation of teachers that we've enjoyed, that taught from their heart and taught from their soul and lived their Christianity out, those days are just about gone. There are people that are teaching our children today that didn't grow up in America where you saluted the flag and you prayed for your leaders. Oh no. They've grown up with the influence of Marxism. They've grown up to see the fulfillment of what Nikita Khrushchev said many years ago when he stood in the well of the United Nations, beating his shoe on the podium and screaming out that he one day would bury America without firing a shot. And through the work of the evil one, they're attempting to do that. The only thing that stands in their way are praying people, God's people who are focused on doing God's will in this world. We can't look back from that. Our children are facing a very unsure future. We don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. And, and if we listen to the news, we would think that any moment we're all going to die. I've told you before that one of the networks years ago used to have a segment on, uh, in the evenings after 6 o'clock news, and it would always be, headed by this he'd say it's us against them and them being whatever they saw as the enemy of the day and it was usually something that was really not an enemy but wanted to create within us that feeling of fear there's a way to get rid of fear do you know that There's a simple way to get rid of fear scripture tells us that perfect love casteth out fear And if you have the love of Christ within you and you understand that he holds you in his hands, God holds you, and Jesus says, no one is able to pluck you out of my Father's hands, then you don't fear. You're not afraid. You know that God will protect you. Now, it's popular to criticize Christians today. The media loves to do that. They see us as backward and ignorant. But our faith is focused on him and not popularity. Jesus was not popular. He divided families. He divided communities because the cause of Christ goes in one direction towards God. And this world is not going in that direction. What can we, the people of God, the church, do to make a difference? How can we change the world that we live in? Well, it's simple. It begins by praying and not praying casually, not praying just for five minutes a day, Not just praying about our own situation. Yes, you should pray for your family, their future, for what's going on in their lives, that they would grow and mature in the faith, that they would remain safe as they're out in the community serving in the way that they serve. All those things are important, yet that is the beginning in your day of a conversation with God that should go on the entire day. There's an Old Testament story of the Exodus that's so powerful, because before the nation of Israel got to Mount Sinai, they encountered the Amalek army. And they were in trouble there. And the battle was was tough, and it was difficult. Moses was getting up in years, and Moses went up on the mountain, and Joshua went down in the valley. He went down with a sword. Moses went up, raising his hands to God. And as long as his arms were up, they prevailed in battle. He became weak and others held him up. But they knew that there was an unseen enemy they were fighting with. It was not just uh, the, the soldiers of Amalek in the valley. There was a supreme evil that was coming against them. And that prayer protected them. We must be a people of prayer. Joshua fought boldly. But Moses prayed masterfully. He stayed focused on the work of the Lord. Now, there are a couple of things I want to point out to you today that I want you to kind of chew on for the rest of the day and, and into the new week. And it's important for us to understand these things. First of all, remember our enemy is not who we think. You know, we're, we're strange creatures. When we have an enemy, we would like to have an enemy that first of all we could see We could look at them. We like a person or personality to be our enemy. We want an institution if it's bigger than that politically. We want to be able to aim at an institution. But the reality is, our enemy is much greater than that. Is larger than that. Is more supreme than anything that we can imagine. The scary thing about conspiracy theories is that some of them hold a lot of truth. Because evil is active in the world. And Satan is not choosy about what he uses to attack us with. Not at all. He has a way of of bending our thoughts in his direction. If we don't pray, we suddenly will get discouraged, disappointed, disillusioned, and then we'll walk away. God wants us to stay focused on him in prayer. The second thing we do... we. We think we can humanly defeat the enemy. We think that somehow, in just sheer willpower, we can overcome the enemy. I can't tell you the times that I've had conversations with people that were trying to overcome a problem with substance abuse or alcohol or you know, whatever the situation may be. And they'd come to me and they'd say, I'm focused on this, I'm going to deal with it. And I always remind them the first thing you have to do is admit that you're powerless. You're powerless to overcome those things. You don't understand. You you don't need to be, be naive about it. Satan is more powerful than we are. He's lived longer. He's more cunning. But as Luther said in his wonderful hymn, one little word ends it all with Satan. The name Jesus. There's power in that name. There's the ability for us to refocus when we've tried it in in the flesh and we've tried to overcome things and we've we've faltered and we failed. There's a way of coming back to Christ in prayer and we'll get the strength that we need. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Now that is not talking about The ivory towers in this world, that control everything. This has nothing to do with any of them. This is something far beyond that. Something that is ancient. Evil that has been there. Not just Satan himself, but his many billions of angels that fell with him. We call them demons or evil spirits, but they are very active all around the world. I want to remind you that this building, as beautiful as it is, is not really the church. It's the house that the church meets in. But the reality is, before any of us get here in the morning, I I think I was the first one to walk in here. Everything was dark and locked up when I got here. And I started unlocking and turning lights on. But do you know, before I got here this morning, the evil one was here, through his minions, plotting and planning. They looked about and saw how can we make people uncomfortable or distracted? What can we do to to make them look another way or get off track? We don't want people to understand the power of prayer. They certainly don't want you communicating with the Holy One. They want you to think, oh, it's no big deal. I don't need to pray. I'll handle this myself. Yet we're useless. Years ago, I would very often share my faith with people that apparently didn't want to receive it. And they'd say something like, well, I don't believe in that whole religion thing. It's just a crutch. Well, you know, I'd always say I agree with you. It is a crutch. Until you get to the point in life when you admit that I cannot make it on my own, you're in trouble. I remember going to college when I started, and, and you get to that level, and I've told you before, it's usually... Your sophomore year, and there's, you know, there's a reason they call it sophomore. Sophomore is really a contraction. It's two words. Uh, uh, the sophists were the great thinkers. Or sophos means means wise, and then the second half is moros, moron, wise fools. You have enough knowledge to know the terms, but you don't have enough to really work through it successfully and in the world there are a lot of wise fools they know all the phrases they can throw them out there and they can disagree with you and they can challenge you but you know in your heart of hearts what is true and what's right there have been occasions when I would get in debates with with non-believers and I would get to an impasse where I realized I, I, I wasn't going to be able to convince them and they certainly weren't going to change my mind And I've just stopped and I said, you know, our friendship is more important than this argument. What they didn't know was I was making an end run around so I could continue to have an influence on them. I realized it wasn't that day that they would be changed. But I had a very important appointment in the future to talk to them again. And I did not want to alienate them. Anybody that's a good salesman knows that if you don't sell the first time, there's always a second, the third, the fourth. You always keep those avenues open. And if you're a Christian and you're out there reaching for people in the name of Christ, you need to do that. Realize that the enemy is not that person speaking to you that disagrees with you. No, they're the one that's hurt. They're the one that needs help. Satan would make them into the enemy, and they're not. They are not the enemy. You know, when you, when, you, when you stand with Him, it's amazing what can happen in your life. August the 30th, I, dare I bring this up? August the 30th, we had the American pullout from Afghanistan. You know what that means. We, we were a defeated foe. We left. We used to, as, as a nation, laugh and, and and make fun of the fact that the the Soviet Union the union of so, the Soviet uh, socialist republic fought for 10 years against the afghanis and literally if you study history with with historians that report it correctly you'll know that what brought russia to its knees was not Ronald Reagan standing at the Brandenburg Gate saying, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. No, that was, a, that was a great moment. But that's not what ended it. What ended it was ten years of fighting with an incessant army that was not linked together in any way. But all hated you. And they absolutely wore out the Russian army. And now we're walking away from there. And we're giving up our power. We left behind literally billions of dollars worth of equipment. As Christians, if we walk about and we don't use prayer and the power of prayer, we're no different than those soldiers that had to walk away. they didn't want to walk away. They wanted to fight. But the moment they left their, their armament and their equipment behind, they were powerless to be victorious. Unfortunately, many Christians live like what happened on August the 30th. They turn around and they walk away from the equipment and the power that they have to make a difference. You know, it's unusual. The verses that I read to you this morning, uh, listen to this. From verse 18, verse 19, and then 20. If you'll look down there, that is one sentence. Now, that was Paul. Paul definitely did not take uh, uh, any English classes in composition and writing, creative writing. He was very creative. He just didn't know when to stop a sentence. And and this is one whole sentence. The only thing that slows it down is a comma. But it is one sentence that literally, this man who is chained to soldiers in a jail, is saying, "Pray always." with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit, and watching thereto, with all perseverance and all supplication with all the saints, and continue to utter this and be bold when you do that, for you're an ambassador. And I'm an ambassador in bonds. It does not sound like he was scared or afraid. No, he wanted them to know that he was not scared and afraid. He was prepared to do battle on their behalf. It's frightening sometimes when you stop and think about what we've gone through in this world, how we've changed. The safety that we had at one time in this world is gone. It's gone. I grew up in a world where we didn't lock the doors of our house. Many of you did also. I can remember when every neighbor on our street somehow was watching out their front window when I walked by. And they knew I was there. They knew me by name. They knew our dog's name, our cat's name. They knew what kind of car we drove. And now they, what is it they call it now, Neighborhood Watch? (laughs) That's always existed. But they kept an eye on me. And before I could get home, whatever happened at the bottom of the street got back to our house at the top of the street because they watched out after one another. God wants us to watch out after the community of faith, to care for it, In prayer, we're supposed to reach into the community of no faith and draw people back. I love young people. I love children. One of the great things about our meeting in in this building, and by the way, um, the offices, the main offices are back in the choir room. The choir so kindly is sharing that with us, And, and Kitty's back there, and Elaine's in what was John Atherton's office, and then upstairs in the youth cafe... Uh, you'll find the other three guys serving. We may, we, <laughs> Jeff is so kind to walk away from his choir room and go up there to the youth room to have an office. Thank you for doing that. It would be a lot easier to be right there, but they're there. And my office, and don't ever come to see me in my office because I'm never there. There's a closet in the back of the ladies' restroom over here that, uh, the, past the fourth stall. There's a little, little door there, and that's where all my office things are. I do not go to that office. Do not go there. Wherever I am, I'm going to minister where I stand. But we as God's people are going to continue to work here. We're going to continue to do the work that we're called to do. We're not going to back away. We're not going to run from it in any way. But secondly, I want you to think about this. Not only do we realize that our enemy, we can't see our enemy, our ally is always accessible to us. Always. Before you bow your head to pray, God is listening to you and watching you. Jesus is communicating with words that only the Trinity knows. Now stop and think about that. It is referred to as the advocate. Advocacy is something that is so powerful. It means that the person between you and the, and the judging or deciding individual is someone that's on your behalf prepared to defend you at all costs and when you pray in Jesus name that's exactly what happens I'm so thankful that God hears our prayers and he listens to his son by prayer we ask for armor in prayer we receive that armor and with prayer we use the armor James, the half-brother of Jesus, put it this way. He said, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. He's very liberal. He'll give you whatever you need. That's what prayer is about, asking God to give you what you need to get through this life. Your prayer life is weak. It's your fault. It's not His. If you get frustrated sometimes, God will send what or who you need at just the right time. You'll be amazed how he does that. God has a way of providing for you. Prayer is the theme we find throughout all of Paul's writings. Paul understood the power of prayer. In Colossians, he said, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, speaking to the Christians in Colossae. He also told them, Devote yourselves to prayer, keep him alert. And have the attitude of thanksgiving in all things. Are you thankful? In Romans, he said, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Those things are so very important. And without them, we're lost. With all prayer, and this is so neat because he begins and he uses this term, all prayer. And I like it because what he's saying is, every communication with God is prayer. You don't have to bow your head. You don't have to speak in what I call deacon speak. Uh, You don't have to use all the correct words. In fact, I believe the sincerest prayer is just very blunt, honest prayer. Some of the most powerful prayers are prayers like, Help me, Lord. God, I'm lost and I don't know what to do. Where are you, Lord? He hears those prayers, and he responds to those prayers in a mighty way. His spirit has a way of absolutely enshrouding us. But the most important thing is that we understand the importance of prayer, whether it's public or private, whether it's with a group, whether it's prayers you're driving. I many times listen to music and I pray, and as I listen to music, it's like God is communicating with me what He wants to say, and He's he's communing with me in a mighty way. God is there. Music has a way of speaking to you about your faith like nothing else. Years ago, I read this story in one of our Baptist papers, and it always stuck with me. It was a missionary in Zaire. This was in the days when Zaire was just absolutely on the verge of collapse. They had nothing. And there was a mother who had a baby in this little village, and and the missionary was a nurse. She was a midwife, and, and she delivered as best she could this baby, but the mother died. She was so malnourished, and she had health problems. The baby came premature, and the mom died. And here she's holding this little baby under two pounds with no equipment to take care of it. And they literally did not have a hot water bottle, which is what they would have used to warm the baby. They had nothing to to put there that would take care of this baby. And she began to cry and she gathered some of the children around her. And she said, I need the most sincere forces that God hears to pray with me. And she gathered the little children around her and this missionary took off her mask and and took off the bloody clothes from saving this woman's trying to save this woman's life and preserving that baby and she gr- gathered those children just outside the tent and she began to pray and one of the little girls prayed like this she said god you know this sweet lady died and you saved the baby and you know this baby needs a hot water bottle and we don't have one And said, also, this baby's older sister is scared. Lord, send her a doll, because she needs something to hold. This was about an 11-year-old child praying. And then the child said, Amen. An hour later, into the village comes the weekly delivery. And they had a package, and they weren't sure where it came from, but it was addressed to this missionary. She opened it up, she pulled out a few garments of clothes, and guess what was under there? A hot water bottle. The little girl that was praying began to rip it open. She said, what are you doing? And she said, look, I know there's a doll in there somewhere. And there was. That village was changed by the prayer of an 11-year-old little girl who not only prayed but believed. What do you believe when you pray? Do you know God is there? Do you smile and have an exclamation of joy because you know before you pray, He already hears your prayers? He answers them. He's the only entity in all the universe that can answer before we ask, and He does that. He provides for our needs beyond what we could ask or think. Do you ever stop to think that sometimes when you tell God what you want Him to do, that you're actually limiting Him? Maybe what you need to do is say, Lord, just bless me. You know, do whatever. I trust you. I know you're going to take care of me. But as some people say when they go out to eat and it's time to order dessert, they'll say, what's that phrase? Surprise me? How many times have you prayed and said, God, just surprise me? Because I know you know what is best for me. Let's walk away in our armor equipped with prayer. And then the power that we will radiate not only will change us, but it will change the world we live in. And look around you. It needs changing. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much that you give us a joy that's far beyond anything that this world can create. It's based not on the happenings of life, but it's based on the one that we focus upon, our Savior, God, I pray that you'd speak to someone this morning that in their prayer life, there isn't a power and they want that power, even today. I pray, Lord, that you'd make them aware of the fact that that is available. They can begin that prayer walk even now, this very moment. They can take those footsteps to your altar and they can begin that prayer life. Not a time to pray and then end it, but a a time to begin that prayer and And allow it to touch their life throughout the day. And everyone they encounter. I pray that we'll have that kind of prayer life. And Lord if there's someone here that needs to make a decision. Maybe they've never asked that they would be saved. They've never confessed that they're a sinner. And they need to be saved. Lord I pray that if there's someone here today that needs to make that decision. May they realize that. That as the first notes of the invitation begin. That the Spirit of God wants them to come forward and make that choice publicly. You've told us if, if, if we will confess you before others, you'll confess us before the Father. And, and, and Jesus, it's so important that we do that. And Lord, I pray that you would stay close to the brokenhearted. And encourage those who are bewildered and frustrated today. Who are seeking but don't know where to, to find what they need. May your Spirit speak to them even now. And I pray that we would listen diligently to your Spirit. For we pray this in your holy name, Lord. Amen.